Hi everyone, I'm Emily. I'm the Regional Manager for Sub-Saharan Africa. Hi everyone, my name is Ron Peter and I'm the International Officer for the Sub-Saharan Region. Hi everyone, I'm Blessing. I'm the Country Manager for the University of Aberdeen and I'm based in Nigeria. Welcome to our University of Aberdeen West Africa podcast series. We're going to talk about lots of relevant and interesting topics which we hope you find useful. Join us for this week's episode. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of our podcast. We are really lucky to be joined by Aishat today who works in the postgraduate admissions team. Welcome. Hi everyone and welcome to today's podcast. Hi Aishat and everyone, welcome to our next series of podcast. Hello everyone, thank you for joining our West Africa podcast series today. Okay, great. Um, we are off to a fun start. So, Aisha, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, please? Okay, thanks. Thanks, Emily. So, um, again, hi, everyone. My name is Aisha Adebusui. I'm one of the postgraduate admissions officers here at the University of Aberdeen. Um, as you can tell from my name and my accent, I am from Nigeria. Um, I grew up in Nigeria and I moved here to the UK in 2012 um, when I came in to do my master's um, here in Aberdeen as well, but at Robert Gordon University. Um, I've been in Aberdeen ever since and um, previously worked um, at the bank um, here in Aberdeen, uh, one of the banks on Union Street. From there, I moved to work at RGU within the international office and now I'm working with the University of Aberdeen within the admissions team. Um, it's lovely to you know be here. Lovely to be able to support you guys and your journey to studying in the UK. And I look forward to doing a lot more of these in the near future. Amazing. Thank you. So, whereabouts in Nigeria are you from? So I'm mixed actually. So I'm um, I'm half Hausa and half Yoruba. So my dad's from Borno State and my mom's from Oyo State. So I speak both. So two out of the three main languages in Nigeria. That's Hausa and Yoruba. Well, but I, but I grew up in Lagos. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I cannot speak any, and I'm in Lagos. <laughs> so that's really nice to know. Um, so was there any form of culture shock for a Nigerian who, you know, had arrived in Aberdeen for the first time? For me, it wasn't really because um, my sister um, had previously studied here at the University of Aberdeen. So I used to visit her a lot when she was studying here. My, well, my, was my fiancé then, but my husband now also studied at the University of Aberdeen. And um, again, I used to visit both of them a lot, not my, not, not my fiancé. <laughs> um, so I, I used to visit Aberdeen a lot um, before actually moving here. So I would say maybe um, not really much of a culture shock because I'd been, you know, um, interacting with people from here. Um, before my, um, you know, family came here to study, I'd been visiting, not Aberdeen, um, but visiting the UK previously, so it wasn't really, um, it wasn't a, it wasn't so much of a, a shock for me, but it was definitely new, especially with the weather, because most times when I was visiting, it was during the summer, obviously, so I didn't really experience the cold weather. But when I moved here, it was, it was I think that's one thing I would say was um, something I had to struggle with. But apart from that, I think everything else was, it just went by so smoothly for me. So maybe I was just lucky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so have you adjusted right now to the weather? Like, you've moved oh, there for yes. years now. Yes, I mean, I don't think yeah. I can live anywhere else. Like, I am so, 
I don't like heat at all. Like I'm literally dreading the summer coming in. I know it's it's maybe the weirdest thing to say right now, but I don't like heat at all. Um, yeah. I do prefer. I think April May is usually my best time of the year. Spring when it's not too warm and not extremely cold. Um, but yeah, I've adjusted to it so far. Um, I mean, it's almost ten. Is it ten years now? Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So, so Aisha, you've <laughs> lived so you've lived in Aberdeen longer than I have. So you're more you're more Aberdonian than me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we delve into some admissions queries? Because I'm sure that our postgraduate audience that's listening in are keen to know um lots of the things that we're going to grill you about, Aisha. So, do you <laughs> want to start um by telling us the deadlines for postgraduate admissions just now, please? Yes. So, um, I would if you just give me two seconds, I'll just bring that up quickly. Um. So at the moment, um, I take it most people who really want to come and study must have applied already. I hope hopefully so. that they've applied already. <laughs> so if you intend to study in Aberdeen um, come September, then we expect that you've applied already. So um, at the moment, the deadline to accept your offers, if you have got your offers already, is the um, 26th of August. Um, but other deadlines would be the, to apply itself. Application deadline is 11th of July. So if you haven't applied, please make sure you get your applications in as soon as possible. Um, and we aim to have all offers out before the end of, before the end of, the, um, of, of, of July. And with regards to um, accepting your offer, so yeah, accept your offer by the 26th of August if you've got your offer already, um, as well as any other outstanding documents that we've requested from yourself. Um, so that includes your financial guarantee form and your, um, the acceptance form as well. Um, we expect, um, fingers crossed, <laughs> we're hoping to have all formal decisions emailed to all applicants by the 19th of August. So that's why we're saying when we have all the offers out to you, please make sure you respond um, by the 26th of August so that we can get everything all done, get you guys cleared and in time for starting your course in September. Yeah, I think that's it for that. Those are the key dates. Um, for September 2022. Great. And maybe um, we could also emphasize, just as you did at the beginning there, that it's really important that students try to do this as soon as possible because the turnaround for ATAS, getting your TB results and also applying for visa um, in Nigeria is quite tight. So the sooner that you can get this in, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Aishad, how an applicant can apply for postgraduate studies at the University of Aberdeen? I mean, online. <laughs> online, we, we try as much as possible to encourage that you use the online application form. I mean, I, I'd, like, I'd like to think that it's really, really user-friendly. The, the, you know, the, the interface is really user-friendly. Um, it only takes a couple of you know, pages for you to complete your application. And it's really easy for you to upload your documents as well. So online is the easiest way for you to apply if for any reason at all you cannot access the online form, which I doubt um, ever happens, then please reach out to the admissions team and we'll, you know, we'll get you your application in some other way. I also just want to hop in and add that if students don't want to apply themselves, they can apply through one of our very trusted agents um, in Nigeria or in Ghana. They're all listed on our website and Blessing is also our in-country manager. So she's on hand any time um, to answer queries and point you in the right direction. 
Um, Aisha, what kind of documents do students need to have in place if they want to make an application with us? So um, the most important ones would be the, of course, the um, academic credentials. So your degree certificates and your transcripts. Um, as much as possible, we, we don't want, um, we won't be able to accept notification of results or statement of results. We need the final degree certificate um, um, as much as possible, please. Transcripts are also very important because we, when we're making the decision to, uh, to offer applicants, we want to see what kind of subjects that you've studied in the past, um, particularly for master's uh, programs. We want to see what you've studied in your previous degree, where your strengths are, and you know, base our decision on that. So your academic transcripts, your final degree certificates, your proof of English language, depending on where, you know, where you're applying from. Um, I take it, you know, of course, West Africa, you need to prove your English language proficiency. Um, at the moment, we accept secure English language tests, but we also accept um, YEC from Ghana and Nigeria as well. Um, please note that with English language requirements, we only take into consideration the most recent English language tests. So I won't say more than that, but make sure you're submitting the most recent tests where you have passed and met the requirements. Um, don't submit more than one document if, if possible, because again, just it complicates things. Again, I won't say more than that. I know Blessing knows what, what I mean by that. You know, I, I mean, I know students tend to send a lot of documents, not knowing which one you know, would, would, would be accepted, but please always just send us the most recent one where you have met the entry requirements. Yeah, I, I agree, Aisha. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, um, back to the applications. For students who are looking to defer, maybe because of financial constraints, how many times are they allowed to defer their admission with us? At the moment, I don't, I don't think there's a limit to how many times they can defer. Um, so I, well, I mean, I, I'm not aware of any, any, any limit um, to the number of times that students can defer. Um, and to defer is really easy. Sometimes when you're accepting the offer, there's a link where which says that you can defer your, your, your offer as well if you feel you're not able to make it in time for that, um, for that intake. But again, we always recommend um, that if you, sh you know, be sure that you're absolutely able to join us in September. Again, it reduces the workload for us and helps us serve, serve, serve you better. If you're sending us loads of applications, you know, just sending it you know, without any um sort of guarantees i know things happen you know things way beyond people's control and you know they have to defer but it, it needs to be a very very genuine reason that you, that's making you defer your 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 offer you don't just defer offers for the sake of it and then you keep deferring every single year it affects you know backlog it causes backlog and it doesn't let us you know help those students who are looking to come in and study Okay, thank you. So I have another question for you. I know this may yeah. not be, um, you may not give like an accurate answer as per the time for which students should expect feedback on the applications, but could you give us like an estimated time? Would it take three weeks or a month? What is um, applicable for students who are waiting to get their, and to get decisions on the applications? How long do they have to wait for? Right, so again, I like the fact that you said there's no accurate answer for this because <laughs> it takes... At the moment, it's taking, I mean, at least a month, if I'm being honest. Um, and that's because of, again, backlog of applications. There's so many applications we have to go through. Um, ideally, it should be only a couple of weeks, um, you know, under very normal circumstances. But like I said, 
the volume of applications we've received this year for September 2022 and January 2023 have been, you know, very, very, it's, it's, I, I don't know, it's, it's, I can't even say the numbers. It's, it's, it's really, really overwhelming. So but we I'm can't thinking say, that should be a good thing. We can't say. That should, we can't say yeah, how, how that long it But, take. <laughs> but the say. volume of applications you've said, I think that should be a good thing, right? That, you know, um, it is. we've got it's, people oh, who are still. Absolutely. We love, we yeah. love the applications. Keep them coming in. We definitely <laughs> want to see the applications coming in. But it's just to kind of, you know, set expectations and let people know that, you know, we're not just sitting around sipping coffee all the time and just not doing work, <laughs> trying as much as possible <laughs> to get to get offers out as much as we can. And um, we're, we're doing everything we can to make sure that it's time. We know that, you know, especially for international students, time is very important. Some people have to apply for scholarships. Some people mm-hmm. have to you know, start getting their funding ready and all of that. Visa application is taking you know, ages as well. So we, we know all of this and we're working really hard to ensure that we are not, you're not impacted by um, the, you know, the, the, the processing of applications as well. All right. Thank you, Aisha. Thank you. I, I would also like to add that I think it's really great that even although the amount of workload is ginormous for our admissions team, it is amazing to see the amount of interest from Nigeria and Ghana in coming to study at Aberdeen, which also means that you will have lots of people in your class, hopefully, that will also be from West Africa, which um, is also really nice. Yeah. Um, and leading on from kind of the number of applications we've received, are students allowed to apply for multiple courses oh, yeah. um, when they make an application? Absolutely. It's, you know, there's no, again, no limited number of programmes you, you, you can apply for. Um, and we will you know, where possible issue offers for all, you know, our programs that you've applied for, as long as you're eligible and you meet the requirements. The only thing we would say is do not accept an offer if you're not ultimately sure that that's the one you want to go for. So if you have five offers, for example, please make sure that you are very sure of the one you want to go for and accept that offer. You can't accept more than one offer, but you can apply to as many programs as you want to. And so can applicants get an unconditional offer once they meet all of their conditions? Um, yes. So, I mean, again, right from application, if you've submitted all the right documents, you've met all the entry requirements, you've met the academic entry requirements and English language requirements, you get an unconditional offer straight away. But it doesn't mean that that's you ready to start your course. There's still additional checks that we need to do um, um, during clearing to make sure that everything's right before we can issue the cast. So in some cases, we might require to see your financial evidence, proof that you have the funds to pay the fees and to support yourself while you're studying here. And we might also, we would also need to, you know, confirm that you have done your TB test and received a satisfactory result as well. So unconditional offer, you get that as, as long as you've met the academic entry requirements and English language requirements. But it doesn't mean that that's you straight in. There's still some additional things that we will need to check with you before you can and enroll and register. So to make it clear, if the applicant met all the conditions um, stated in the offer letter, whether our admissions team will let them know that their offer has turned unconditional? Yeah. So um, so usually when, 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 when an applicant submits their application, if they've not met all the requirements that I mentioned earlier, so the academic and English ones, they get a conditional offer. But then when they upload certain documents, you know, meet their conditions, then we get notified and then an email goes out. So we don't send a new offer letter. Most times we just send an email to, you know, to let them know that you've met, the, if you know, you've submitted, we've received your document that you've submitted. It has met the condition, you know, your, your, your offer is now unconditional. So they just move them on straight to the, 
um, clearing Second, you know, clearing stage. Yeah. You mentioned the cars, Aishat. Um, I'm sure most of our listeners, mm-hmm. if not all, would like to know what that means and how it's relevant to the admissions, you know, at Aberdeen. Could you please throw more light on that? Of course, yeah. So, I mean, cars is like the golden ticket. That's <laughs> everything. You know, all of this is, you know, all for you to get a car. So, um, the full meaning of CAS, for those who don't know, is a confirmation of acceptance of studies. And that is, it comes in like a statement form. Uh, and it has a unique number um, for every single, you know, um, applicant. So you get your CAS once you've met all the requirements. We're confident that you're able to fund your studies, support yourself while you're studying here. Um, but yeah, that's like I said, it's a go- it's a go- that's like the golden ticket. That's the email everybody wants to re- receive at the end of all of this. Yes. How many times can a CAS be updated so students have excess info to be put onto that? Is there a limit? No, but again, um, as much as possible, I think it, it only depends on what you're trying to change. So things like maybe your passport number has changed. If the passport you applied with to the university, the passport we hold on, on file for you has, you know, maybe it's no longer valid at the time that you've received your CAS or at the time you're applying for your visa, we can amend the CAS. If uh, circumstances have changed, name change, for example, there's certain things where, you know, we would readily change the CAS um, for students. But... Um, we wouldn't just change the cast because, you know, something, maybe some, a student has decided to, like, change their course, for example, at the very last minute. It has to be a very genuine reason. With regards to the number of times that they can change the cast, again, I won't say, I would say there's no limits because people have genuine reasons for requesting this, these uh, changes. Sometimes a student has gotten to the cast stage, they've received their cast, and for some reason, we, I mean, we saw a lot of this during COVID, people can't, you know, make it, they can't even apply for their visas because something's happened. We will reissue the cast. We'll just cancel the cast, move, defer their offer to whenever they are ready to come back, and we will be ready to issue them their cast at that point as well. Great. And they cannot do anything with the cast if it has been used for the visa, is that correct? No, you cannot do anything with the cast. So as long as the cast has not been used, the number has not been touched, we, are, we, can, we can always amend it or you know, cancel it and move it forward to the next intake for, for them. Okay, great. And should an applicant wait 24 hours to use the CAS when it's issued, or can it be used immediately? CAS can be used immediately. So once the number's generated on the, on, on the system and it has been issued to the, to the student, it's already live and they can apply for their visa immediately. Okay, great. And I do know that there are some um, subjects that require excess things, like ATAS. Um, can you explain a little bit about ATAS and why it is required for some of the postgraduate programmes, please? Yeah, of course. So um, ATAS is, uh, again, for those who don't know, it's the Academic Technology Approval Scheme. Um, and this only, so not all students would require an ATAS certificate. Um, if you do require one, it will be stated in your, it will be mentioned in your offer letter when, when you apply. For those, you know, you know some students who would need it, it's, for those subjects who are subject to immigration control, um, so I mean, I know a number of the engineering courses um, required and a few other courses as well. Um, and of course, if you're coming to the UK to study like sensitive subjects, you will need to apply for an ATAS certificate. So um, lots of information on the website about it. If you just go on abdn.ac.uk, search ATAS, and you'll find all the information you need on there. Wonderful. Thank you. I have a question. Okay. 
I have, I have a question. So I often get asked by students who already have a master's degree mm-hmm. um, and they might have studied in the UK doing a master's. Um, I'm aware that um, there are mm-hmm. due to visa regulations, um, the academic progression is really important. So can a student who, who has already mm-hmm. studied a master's degree, whether that be in Nigeria and Ghana or elsewhere in the world, come to study another master's degree at Aberdeen? Of course, yeah, they can apply. They can certainly apply to study. Um, it doesn't guarantee. I mean, each application is treated on a case by case basis, um, and as long as you know we can, they can evidence in their personal statements. You know, how the the course. You know, the, you know, studying this this master's degree uh, after studying another master's degree can help their long term you know career goals and things like that. We don't we don't stop them from applying. So if you have a master's degree either from the UK or previously from your home country. You're more than welcome to apply. We won't, um, like I said, it's between application, every application on a case by case basis. That's great. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, I also know that some students might look at our website and think, oh, that's that's different. We offer MSc taught degrees and um, Master of Research degrees. Could you please um, like, tell us a little bit about the difference and maybe if the requirements for applying to those degrees are different as well? Of course. Um, so with the taught masters, um, it usually consists. So I think the main difference between a taught masters and a you know MRes, which is a masters of research degree, is a number of uh, credit credits that, that 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 are attached to the courses, the programs. So the taught masters usually have uh, uh, one hundred and twenty credits um, of prescribed taught subjects modules, um, and then they have a sixty credit dissertation that they submit at the end of of the program. Um, so it could be, you know, a research project or like a, you know, consultancy project or something like that, uh, depending on the course that they're studying. So that's a total of 180 credits. Um, but for the research, uh, it usually involves larger, you know, um, obviously research elements. So an example of that would be um, looking at the night credits. It's usually lower credit units because, again, it's more research than taught courses. So it's 90 credits um, for the taught courses and then 90 credits for research. So that's the difference. With regards to the documentation, it's still the same, your academic transcripts and your um, degree certificates. Um, you need to meet English language requirements as well um, and, and, and the rest of it. So there's no, nothing really um, major with regards to like, documents that you need to submit um, that's different between the taught masters and the research masters. But it's just the way it's been delivered and the content. That's a major difference, yeah. Perfect. Thank you for clearing that up. Um, I have another question. Sorry, guys. Jumping in yep. here again. <laughs> um, I have just forgot what I was going to say. Oh, actually, just before you go in there, Emily, maybe um, just to touch on the last question again. I know that, I mean, I know I mentioned that you know, there's not really any major difference with regards to, uh, regards to documentation. But sometimes, again, depending on the research course, you may require more documentation, and sometimes it might be that you need to write a proposal. Okay, great. For, yeah. So again, wh- when you're applying to the course, check the entry requirements, check what is required. I always say to students, don't just you know rely on what you've been told. We're all human beings. Sometimes we don't have everything in our brains. Always refer to the website. It is updated. I'd like to think every day <laughs> if possible. So every information on the website is what it is currently you know being um, considered so always check the course and the entry requirements before applying 
Okay, great. I've now remembered what I was going to ask. I knew it was important. Um, so <laughs> students, when they're making the application to Aberdeen, obviously they're in West Africa and they're quite a distance away from us. And so they'll be keen to know at what points through the journey they can expect to have contact from us. So can you maybe give them like a brief on when they should be hearing from us so they can set their expectations now? So, um, again, it's, uh, the university has a lot of you know, different um, departments you know, that are, you know, you know, have, all have their own um, you know, kind of support that they offer applicants, um, which, so which makes it a really you know, well-rounded uh, package that you know, applicants are getting here at the university. Um, so, uh, again, everything they need is on the website. Website is your, should be the first point of uh, contact um, if you may, for, 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 for all the information that you're looking for. But again, the admission team, you know, they're lovely. We have people on hand every Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, waiting to respond to your any inquiry. So we, we're there to support you. Any questions about applying, send it to us. Um, if you're still not sure about the course, so you've not applied yet, or you're, you're, not, you're still kind of, you know, um, zip window shopping, um, or just have general questions, the um, inquiries team at study at aberdeen.ac.uk are super helpful. Okay, so re- reach out to them, they will respond to you. If it's anything to do with application that you've submitted already or things like entry requirements, again, the PG admissions team are on hand to always support you. But like I said, e- websites, everything is on the website. Emails, we're happy to respond to emails um, uh, as much as we can. Um, and. Of course, the international office. That's, that's us. The, your, they are your. Like I, I, I used to say, to exactly. I used to say, oh, like you know, they they like to pamper their applicants. So you have you have blessing, you have Ron, you have Emily. I mean, what more can you ask for? They're there to support you throughout <laughs> anything you want, any questions you have. You're not sure of the right team to contact. Just reach out to them, and they'll be happy to support you. But every single time you've once you've applied, you get enough um, an email to see if you've received your application. At least that kind of you know, rests your mind that, that you have, your application is in the system. When we've reviewed your application, or if we feel that it's taking a bit you know, longer than our you know, standard SLAs, we will contact you to see we're still, um, you know, we have your application, we're still in the, we're going to review it, it's just taking us a little, a little bit longer. Um, and once the application has been reviewed, we'll communicate again by email to say, you, you know, if you've been offered, a uh, decision has been made on your application. And again, it goes on like that. And this is, you know, just on the side because I know the international office as well always keep in touch with applicants. They keep in touch with agents. They keep them up to date with any changes within the university and on all of that. But we will contact you at every point and stage of your application up until clearing and even enrollment or registration. Rather. Great, thank you. And I know that um, if a student is given say for instance a conditional offer first they'll be sent a letter yeah. um, via email to say you have a conditional offer they're not necessarily given the same letter though when they meet the conditions so I'm right in saying that if a student goes unconditional and they wish to have a letter they need to ask for that letter is that correct yes yes so we wouldn't, we wouldn't normally just send out an unconditional offer once you've you know met the conditions uh, we'll just contact you to say documents you've submitted we've received it it meets the conditions we've taken out that condition and you know you no longer have any conditions to meet 
But if you do request, again, some students who are applying for scholarships, for example, some of them require, some of the sponsors require to see an unconditional offer. Um, so you can request that from us and we'll be more than happy to issue one. All right, Aisha, I have a question for you. So in processing applications from West Africa, um, have you taken notes of some of the popular programs that um, you know, students tend to apply for? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, yes, I, I mean, if I'm being really honest, students from West Africa, like, they form a huge, you know, um, sort of, uh, pot, you know, um, percentage of, of the number of applications that we receive um, as you, I'm sure it's, not, it's no surprise to you guys. Um, so it's really difficult to pinpoint a particular program. I, it's easier for me to say the programs that they, you never find a West African applicant you know, applying to. I think that's probably easier for me to say. But I think it's quite nicely spread um, across all the schools. I would say engineering, geosciences, business, um, and, and, and health, health sciences, you know, health-related courses, medicine. Yeah, it's difficult to say. I, I can't really say, to be honest. I can't really say which, which courses are, uh, are the most popular. Again, it's also quite difficult because I only deal with a certain number of schools. Um, so, yeah, so we, 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 the, way, the way we work is we have, you know, like a, a little number of schools that we all work with just to make the processing a lot quicker for, for us and everything. So I can say for a fact that there's loads of applications for engineering, geosciences, biological sciences, um, and of course, business, which I think is pretty much the same for almost every region. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's helpful enough to to know just to have an idea, you know. Yeah. And then, do you know why I don't? Do you know why I don't really like uh, talking about most popular courses? Is because I know that I mean I'm from West Africa. I know how I used to think before, and mm-hmm. most students are like always wanting to follow the crowd. When oh, you know, most people are applying to this course, so sometimes you you find it difficult to you know, um, to let students understand that you should go for a course that you're passionate about, a course that you're interested in, not what everybody's studying because it's like, oh, no, nah, I think this is like the reigning course or this is like what's in vogue or anything. I always say just go for, go with your gut, go with what you know that you're going to excel at, mm. not what everybody's studying. Yeah, I know it's not, I'm not, I'm not a counsellor, but I'm just, just <laughs> throwing that in there. <laughs> That was a good one to throw in. Okay, I have one last question. So as a Nigerian (laughs) and an African, um, why do you think prospective students should choose to study at the University of Aberdeen? You've mentioned that you have your husband studied with us, so I'm sure you should have some idea why they should choose us. Do you want to? Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. (laughs) So again, like coming, you know, coming from Nigeria, coming from Ghana, you know that, you know, the... um, Unfortunately, the education system is not as good as we want it to be. Um, so you definitely want to study in a, in a, in a, in a university where you, you're, you're guaranteed to gain some respect. I mean, when you go out and say, I have a master's degree from University of Aberdeen, you know, people will look at you twice and say, oh, that's good. Okay, can, I, can, I, let, me, let me listen to what you have to say, you know, things like that. So I, I, I would say the university, Rowan, it's, I mean, it's a very diverse culture from the staff to the students, you know, alumni, it's, it's very diverse. So you, you meet lots of people, you get to interact with people from all backgrounds um, and everything. It's also one of the top, like, top 200 universities, in, you know. So it's, it's again, very world, uh, globally recognized. Aberdeen itself is a lovely city. Again, I've lived here 
10 years now and I've not lived anywhere else in the UK, so I can't really... I mean, maybe I'm not the best person to compare, but I've heard people talk about other places and I don't think I can stay anywhere else. I, for one, like Aberdeen. People are really friendly. It's safe. It's, you know, affordable to an extent. I mean, what, what, what more can you be looking for? I know students from West Africa are looking for costs. They're thinking, they're thinking about costs. They're thinking about, you know, you know, how they can, you know, easily sort of um, blend in, in, in the society. They're looking for where there's lots of Nigerians and Ghanaians, where they can have their, all their associations and things like that, where they can get their local food, you know. So there's so many things that they take into consideration. And I think Aberdeen University and Aberdeen City provides all, all of that. So why not? Mm, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. I think that was a really nice round off to today's session. Um, I just want to thank Aisha on behalf of all of us for taking part in today's podcast. It was super informative and I'm sure that we've really helped some um, West African students make a decision and also inform them. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks Aisha for coming to this podcast. And it's good to hear that our West African students are keeping our admissions team really busy. <laughs> Very busy. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. Yeah. I mean, we, we love we love seeing applications from from West Africa. Like, you know, really good. You know, you see students that you know, and you're happy. You know, when you're when you're dealing with the application and you're smiling, then that tells that tells you a lot because it's like, you know, you're seeing really quality students applying. You're seeing people that are passionate about you know, studying about research, they know what they want in life. And yeah, it just, it just brings a smile to my face. I, I feel really, really um, fulfilled, you know, doing that and helping, helping them as well. Good stuff. Well, let's round off today's session. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you. Bye.